episode 13 of The Score, Minnesota Opera's wonderful, wonderful new-ish podcast. Six months? Yeah, six months. I oh think my. we're still in our infancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> we're still in the, the tiniest onesies. <laughs> but this is Minnesota Opera's uh, pod newish podcast um, all about uh, classical music and opera from a BIPOC perspective. I know we're not using that <laughs> word, but <laughs> that's just what... <laughs> Rocky is just playing. I'm, I'm sorry. You know what I mean. <laughs> Y'all, I'm so tired. <laughs> the world is on fire and I'm so tired. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. But, you know, I realized for the last couple of episodes, we haven't actually introduced ourselves. So I'm Rocky Jones, <laughs> oh, yeah. the EDI director here at Minnesota Opera. And I'm here, as always, with the fabulous Mr. Lee Bynum. Hello, America. I'm Lee Bynum. VP of Impact. And, of course, the luminous <laughs> Paige Reynolds. Civic Engagement Manager here at Minnesota Opera. Oh, luminous. Luminous. That's beautiful. Look at Hi, you, everyone. you're glowing. <laughs> orange is my color. I'm wearing orange right now. So, orange is your color. Orange is your color, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, you look great. Um, so we've already established that I'm tired. <laughs> How are y'all? <laughs> I'm a hair tired, too. Just a hair. It's been a, a lot going on this week. But not all of it's been bad. No, yeah. no, no, certainly. Yeah. And this weekend, you both I are coming. Know. Wedding Yay. reception. Finally, my <laughs> husband and I are having. Well, I'm not calling it a wedding reception because, you know, obviously with all of the COVID business, all of my family and friends from the East Coast are not going to be able to come. So we're calling Aww. it the Happily Ever After Party. And then hopefully we'll do an East Coast version of it as well. But y'all, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> Caterers and oh. photography and like oh, we need a box for the the we have the, these little cards where people can write oh, right, marital right. advice to us. Oh, and, that's what there's gonna cost. Yeah. Like, like dropping you money. Well, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> that would be not, I mean, this is not cheap. <laughs> But, like, where's everyone going to sit? And is it going to yeah. rain? And the tent? And do we need sides for the tent? And, like, all these decisions all these that need to be made. Yeah. And then I'm just so happy that, like, two days later, we're all going to, we're just going to get on a plane right. and go away and just find a pool for a week. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it, it's good and I'm happy and I'm excited about it. But it's a lot. Yeah. Yep. God. Yeah. And we had only just started planning the actual wedding when covid hit mm -hmm. so like we'd made like a couple of decisions like we got the venue we'd secured the caterer but like we hadn't like gotten down to like those like what color do you want this to be or like should we go with this kind of fork or this kind of fork and i'm just like <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know i don't know i'm not that kind of gay <laughs> what for Fortunately, I'm, I'm married to that kind of gay, so he's <laughs> taken the lead, but yeah. <laughs> it's just a lot. It's a lot. And then with the backdrop of the world being on fire. <laughs> but you know, this is a, a bright spot, right? Yes. A bright spot yes. in an otherwise strangely dismalish summer. Yeah. Definitely not 
the hot back summer I was expecting. Not at all. <laughs> it was like the only thing about it that feels summery is the heat. Is yes. the heat. That is really the unrelenting <laughs> DC swamp like heat. Yep. Who are you telling? Yes. I really thought I was moving here to get away from this. Huh. And I know, right? It's a shock. I, this is the first year that I've been here that I've experienced anything like this. This many days of it being in the 90s is, is wild. Unheard of, I yeah. feel like. And Not, it's a drought year. That's an, that's a, an the, issue. The yeah. drought, I think, yeah. is making it worse. And my husband went to high school in Texas, San Antonio. So he has a very distorted view because he keeps being like, the summer's so mild here. I'm like, really? Because <laughs> I am burning up. But he also has no hair. And I think that probably makes a difference. <laughs> under like eight feet of hair, and it's like, but yeah, I'm not cutting my hair. All you have to do is sprinkle some cool water, and you're good. And yeah, just not on like... the roots. <laughs> I remember the lack of life. Yes, yes, I cut mine off at the beginning of last summer. For that reason, it's like now's the time. Now so is the now time. Is Be the lighter. Time. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Paige, how are you doing? I am. I'm all right. The world is overwhelming. It feels. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just commend anybody who is, I guess, pushing through in mm-hmm. any manner right mm-hmm. now. But mm-hmm. I'm also trying to resist some of the like pushing through mm-hmm. mindset. Like it's also okay to not be okay mm-hmm. and yes. to just be like, I the best thing I can do right now is actually lay down and yeah. <laughs> and just <laughs> and just do that. Um so yeah, I'm good. I uh so we were talking about before this have been working on a course, a year long course in um Caribbean carnival masquerade traditions uh which is amazing it is that is so fun it's an online class Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. well Well, i I mean mean, because of the pandemic yeah i think Mm -hmm. they were doing it in person before in trinidad though so i I wouldn't have been able to take it (laughs) had there not been a pandemic (laughs) they do this in trinidad in person yeah okay Maybe you can go for like your final or something. Or well, you just had your final. You know what? We well, the course is actually year long, oh, so okay. I think I have one more full masquerade design to do. So, so the course is design, construction, and performance. So, this uh, last assessment we did, I did just that. I took an original idea from design all the way up through uh, construction and making it all myself or mostly my myself. There were a couple of items here and there that I did. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm working on the sewing skills. I'll say that part. Um, like every Drag Race contestant ever. <laughs> I feel their struggle in a way that I never did before. I get it. I get it. And I commend you girls. I did before, but like I certainly do now. Wow. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and then like through performance too, like thinking about how how like is this character vocalized does it Mm, dance mm, how does it mm. move when it's out in the street or on the road as west indian siblings would say (laughs) then you know how is it interacting with with everything else um around it so things to 
things to think about. And yeah, so it's a year long. I think I have a whole other costume to do. Ooh, um, oh, okay. Yeah, a good a good girlfriend of mine. Shout out to Alana Morris Van Tassel. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but she is, I believe her parents are from Trinidad or maybe Tobago, I can't remember, and Grenada. And so she's real into this course mm-hmm. with me, is taking it with me as well. She also lives here in Minnesota. So we've talked about taking our final projects like out in the street one day. So if you hear about you like two black yeah. girls dancing in the street with the boombox <laughs> and strange costumes, it was us. Um, and, you know, we'll see what Rona does, but we'd love to go to Trinidad. Yeah. Someday, someday we will all get to go to Trinidad. I've been once, and I want to go again so bad. (laughs) It was just (laughs) everything. It felt like home. Um, So yeah, hopefully, we'll we'll see. We'll see next year. Can you share the pictures of what you've made so that we can see them? Happily. I feel like our audience (laughs) is also very interested in seeing your... Well, I know you wanted to wait until you were out, able to actually like be out on the street and dancing yeah. instead of just like kind of in your living room. They don't have to share right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> someday. <laughs> but yes. I mean, but I was. I mean, I felt very honored that you you did show me a couple of pictures of it, and mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's super cool. I can't. Wait. Yeah. yeah. I'll so, gladly show you too. But I mean, do you want to like talking. maybe just like describe it and maybe some of the. Um, inspiration behind it because I mean it's fascinating sure just some of the stories you were telling me and just like so many things that I just like did not know so yeah I'm (laughs) I'm happy to share so I mean I think first I have to start with just like a tiny bit of context for people who are have maybe heard of carnival but aren't familiar with some of like the deeper uh, deeper roots so it is you know something that's practiced I think all across the African diaspora I can't you can't point to like one specific Caribbean island or even any one landmass where it happens like it is just a thing that black people do that very much has like its roots in you know West African um, uh, festivals, seasonal celebrations, all of that. But Carnival in the West especially developed to celebrate emancipation from enslavement, um, to celebrate the ways that Black people resisted and survived and all of that. Um, Because my instructors for this course are based out of Trinidad, for example, we learned about like the Camboulet riots in Trinidad, where the government tried to suppress Carnival for a minute, and that did not work. The people fought back. They were like, so what you're not going to do is take away our Carnival. And then they just came back like even, even harder with it. And, you know, there's that kind of histories all across the Caribbean. I think the other important thing to point out before I talk about mine is just that, so a lot of us know... Uh, what's often called the bikini and beads kind of carnival mm-hmm. costume sure. and you know the the big feathers and you know being half naked in the street and that is wonderful it is absolutely part of it is the celebrating the the beauty and that too um a sexual liberation also a you know finding joy and pleasure in our own bodies is a important part of liberation However, there are also, (laughs) that is just one like type of masquerade. There is um, what's often referred to as traditional masquerade and um, carnival characters that vary across the, across the Caribbean. But 
some common ones you may see are uh, midnight robbers. Um, they have almost like a like a Western kind of look to them, and they wear these big hats and they give boisterous speeches about <laughs> about their about their skill and their ancestry and how great they are. Um, you have probably seen a um, oh gosh, I, I I just I just lost it. You you may have seen a baby doll before. Um, you may have seen a jab uh, jab. We were just talking about this. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about jab jab. It's a you know different types of uh, devil mask. So you've seen people covered in black paint or what appears to be like oil or uh, I think in Grenada it's they cover themselves in blue and have devil horns. That is jab jab and uh, jab mulasi uh, is is one type where it kind of emulates the. Uh, labor that was done growing and cultivating sugarcane, especially, and just that molasses that mm-hmm. would um, that would get all over the place, and that enslaved folks were forced to you know work with. So when it came down to my project, the theme was emancipation, um, congruent with the emancipation celebrations that happened in early August across any place that was colonized by the British. Mm. Um, So, I mean, Trinidad, Jamaica, the Bahamas, the long list. Y'all gotta gotta do your Googles for some of this, okay? I can't give you the full story. Um. (laughs) We are not expecting you to be an encyclopedia. But you know, I'm always gonna attempt to. I know. I'm always gonna make the attempt. (laughs) So, our, um, we were tasked with doing an emancipation mass, and I have been really interested in uh, the jab jab and other types of devil mass. I've just was drawn to them. Um, also, La Diablesse was another um, woman, a character mainly played by women, played by some men too, that has a whole story of making a deal with the devil and um, so that kind of thing. But I wanted something that was reflective of my heritage as a mm-hmm. Black American. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was specifically wondering why there were no, or why I didn't see any devil masses that were mainly played by women. Mm-hmm. So I decided to create an original ca- um, carnival character hey now. based on, <laughs> inspired I mean, by the jab so jab. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And I, I call her the cotton jab. Ooh. So... I I guess uh, botanically, you know, based it more around cotton because mm-hmm. that was more relevant to our experience mm-hmm. um, with enslavement on this soil. Mm-hmm. Sugarcane was, I mean, mainly just furthest south and not as many of us had an experience mm-hmm. with that. Um, and also the fact that uh, cotton root bark, um, little known fact that uh, black women could use it to prevent pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I decided to base my mass around that because it just it just made sense mm-hmm. to kind of play with like this demonization of black women to kind of play with this way that like we were um, our labor was exploited and like the the sexual exploitation that goes along with that and turn it on its mm-hmm. head into something more subversive and empowering and it's also very like celebratory of um 
I think our, our matriarchs, especially those that helped like to resist and made sure that we are all still here uh, today, um, Rocky asked about the horns that were on it. And um, I think the, the horns are like directly from like the original jab, like Jab Jab and, and Jab Mulassies. And, but also because they made me think of uh, different deities in West Africa, like women's warriors, deities like Oya from the Yoruba people. Um, it's actually my, you know, my guiding parent, <laughs> parent Orisha, um, and how they represent an intermediary between life and death. Mm. And I, I was like, I was inspired by that phrase that like mothers and grandmothers would say, like, we brought you into this world and, I can, and we can take you out. So sure that is can. what, <laughs> <laughs> that is really like the spirit of, if I had to, yeah. if I had to sum up the spirit of the mass with like one phrase like that would be it like i brought you into this world i'll take you out of it um I like that. yeah yeah so i mean that was just so cool yeah and so creative yeah thank you it's amazing thank you i am i'm really proud of it and really really humbled that i just get to even have the opportunity to learn from mm-hmm. the, the people who are my instructors y'all like they are masters at what they do into like, they're not like just anybody who plays carnival mass every day like i i saw like pictures of them in their work in books fancy glossy mm. picture books of caribbean mass before i ever took the course <laughs> so <laughs> um it's just a blessing yeah yeah, yeah. Well, is there a place possibly, like, if people are interested in seeing some of their work or just oh, learning idea. a little bit more, mm-hmm. and we could put, like, a link down in the, yeah. in the show notes? Yeah, so um, the institution that I'm taking the class through is called Caribbean Yard Campus. Mm-hmm. They do, like, several different classes on uh, just Caribbean culture and i think there may be one on like patois too that's coming oh, up yeah. and um probably specifically trini patois um but yeah yeah they're incredible you can also look up a traditional mass archive on uh you could just google it and you will find a uh project Someone did. I think Caribbean Yard Campus collaborated on it, um, which you'll see some of my instructors and some of the people who taught us during the class. They talk about the traditional mass characters, some of the ones they're famous for portraying, um, like uh, Ronald Alfred. He's famous for his jab jab. I actually had a picture of his at my desk before I also ever took the class. And then he was an instructor in our course. Like the... The synchronicities are just are just amazing. Um, Mr. Valentine Jerry, shout out to him. Wire bending master. You'll see, I think some videos from him as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Traditional mass archive. That's where you should mass go. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Ah, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, it makes me want to go to carnival so bad. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, well, you could also. Uh, I mean. Not that they're like the same in any way, but the closest thing we have here is New Orleans yeah. Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. Not just the Bourbon Street beads okay. <laughs> kind of Mardi Gras, but go to the traditional like Mardi Gras celebrations that they have in the neighborhood. And in, in fact, some of the characters are even the same, like Baby Doll they have mm-hmm. in the Caribbean and Louisiana. That one kind of like transferred back and forth. Um, and there may be some other ones that look well, similar there's, to. There's a huge one in Toronto, right? 
Oh, that would make sense. Yes. Yeah, uh huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Because yep. I remember Real Housewives of Atlanta. Here I was thinking you were read in the book. (laughs) (laughs) No, I remember Yovana getting kicked off the cast trip. Oh my gosh. Oh, another person after Tracy Sankar, her um La Diablesse was one of the like characters that first inspired me to that was just like, ooh, like the image just stuck in my mind. I was like, maybe I would, maybe I would try that one day or try like doing that. And now here I am trying so and doing it. How long had you been so, thinking about it before you actually decided to take this course? Gosh. Um, I don't think I was ever like thinking about directly like learning mm-hmm. like mass design, but I had like a very close friend in college who's Trini. Um, this was also after I had visited the island and like she always wanted like us to go to carnival together. Like always wanted us to go and do like the full shebang, like go on the road with the mass band and costumes and everything. <laughs> I mean, we just have never gotten the chance to do it. So, but I always had that in my head and like as life would have it, it just keeps bringing me friends who are... Aww. You know, our our kin from the Caribbean. So shout out to like Alana, who was also like has been really encouraging and just like like no, this is your tradition too to learn. Like I always, I'm always like I feel like a guest in this tradition. I just try to be respectful of just like no. because mm-hmm. like y'all just you do this, you have the ancestry, and just like y'all been doing this. But no, take she's it from the two Indians on the other side of the table. Oh. <laughs> 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 beautiful You're black fine. people mm-hmm. and we embrace all yes. of our beautiful yes. black people mm-hmm. and everybody else and everybody else and everybody else. else and i was raised i was definitely always raised that way for yeah. one like just yeah. seeing all like black people is kin I, I guess part of like Same. why i want to be careful is just knowing how <laughs> much we can be exploited <laughs> and not wanting yeah. to replicate yeah. that you know yeah. like yeah. But you're yeah. so clearly describing a celebration mm-hmm. of something, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like these are the things that we are all supposed to be part of. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I I had the same reaction a little bit when I had my old job and I used to go for a few weeks to Cape Town every year. Mm-hmm. And the first couple of times I was so conscious of being an American on the continent. Yeah. And I actually needed multiple people to talk me through not feeling separated from a heritage that I think we all should be sharing in. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? People who are from South Africa. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) But didn't you like feel it though? uh, After not, you're like clearly where the The minute I got off the plane. (laughs) So I had this, this feeling. um, So now I'm actually going on a tangent of a tangent, but I'll make it super short. When we were living in Hong Kong, my husband was in the Lion King. So, of course, they imported all the black people mm-hmm. and a good chunk of them were from South Africa because so much of the the score is in, mm-hmm. you know, Kosa and Zulu and whatnot. And when I got there, when you hear people speaking in Kosa, I was so convinced I could understand it from their cadences. And they would wow. always tell me, you have no idea what we're saying. But I always knew what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak a word of it, but I know that I know it. So, <laughs> so um, maybe while we're on the subject of Caribbean culture, we could 
send some good energy to our people in Haiti. Oh, yes. This has been, like, so weighing on my mind the last few days. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, just take a moment. Maybe just do that. Just take a moment really quick. And we're just sending all of our love, all of our well wishes for a Gosh, I don't even know, because <laughs> it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long road. It it really will be. I, I had the chance to visit Haiti like, God, what, maybe thirteen years ago, um, after the earthquake, after a different earthquake, and it's such a beautiful country, mm-hmm. um, beautiful people, really welcoming, generous, and it's just devastating that they have seen this many natural disasters Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years like it's it's just Mm mind-boggling yeah yeah and not that i have like any commentary on it but just like acknowledging that there has also been like recent political upheaval as well and just like absolutely i i just i just want peace and safety and just overall well-being for Haiti and Haitian people. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, but we are going to put uh, in the in the show notes some links so that y'all can go and help out because um, they need they need all the help that they can get. Absolutely. So absolutely. You know, and and. Our friends over in Afghanistan as well, yeah. many of whom, yeah. you know, are resettling here in in America, and yeah. so we will put some links um, for them as well. Um, and we encourage everyone to just donate what you can, whether mm-hmm. that's time mm-hmm. or money. And um, we're thinking about all of you. Mm-hmm. And here's to hoping our our governments do the right thing in terms of helping the people who need it. Then there's that. It and has to that. be sad. Yeah. Because, yeah. 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 It's just looking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> um, we will we be. We said there was a lot going on in the world. We did. We did. We did. We did. But, you know, we just wanted to just have a chat because I don't think we ever have had a chat on the show just about. The work we're doing here at Minnesota Opera and how that all came to be. Our our impact department, our equity, diversity, and inclusion work. Um, and we just wanted to just chat about it. So we'll be right back with some history. <laughs> See you on the other side. <laughs> And we're back. (laughs) I think I was trying to be like a morning radio DJ. (laughs) And we're back! (laughs) Sorry, I'm weird. (laughs) It's a long, hot day, (laughs) y'all. Here at the Minnesota Office Center. (laughs) So, yeah, so we just, like I said before, you know, just a lot we got a lot of questions about yeah. our diversity charter and our EDI work and so 
you know, Lee, I know that you were not here for that. No, Most sure of that wasn't. process, yeah. the diversity <laughs> charter process, but you have been here for the last year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess we could just kind of start at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, really, the EDI work here at Minnesota Opera began in earnest about five years ago hmm. um, when our illustrious president and general director, Ryan Taylor, came on with a mandate from our board um, to really start to think about um, diversifying our audiences, our, the artists that we have on our stage, our staff, because when we um, sort of recrafted our mission statement, um, so right now it's, I always get this wrong, but it's <laughs> 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 just messed up. Uh, um, but to, you know, bring together, um, the community and artists and audiences, um, to create world-class art and preserve the art form of opera for future generations. It was kind of determined that, you know, well, we're not are we really going to do that if we don't have <laughs> younger people or more people of color or, you know, people who aren't super wealthy mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in our audiences? Like, we're probably not going to last too long in, you know, the 21st century. Um, you know, I don't know if, like, thinking forward five years, if they thought, like all of this was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> the impact department and <laughs> all of these initiatives and, and whatnot. Um, but, you know, when I, I was, I, I came in, gosh, like that fall, I think Ryan started in May and I started in November. What year is this? 2016. 2016. Ooh. I start. I started literally a a week after election day mercy. 2016 <laughs> and I I had left my other job and I started here a week later and I was like oh I'm gonna have like a nice restful week <laughs> Hillary's gonna be the president <laughs> I'm just gonna have a little staycation and I spent the whole week <laughs> under the covers panicking, panicking the crying face crack of a millennium oh my gosh <laughs> and then like coming here and like meet all your new co-workers and I'm just like <gasps> <laughs> Please tell me you're normal. You don't have it that bad. <laughs> but all of that aside, um, I actually started as our web and digital associate. Oh. I just kind of came in. I decided to make sort of from from where my previous position, I decided to just kind of take like a little bit of a step back in the hopes of propelling forward mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of get my foot in the door. It kind of just, you know, was this amazing opportunity to work for, you know, a cool organization. And so I was like, yeah, sure. I can like, you know, update your website. And <laughs> <emails>. like, <laughs> that sounds like something I can do. <laughs> um, and pretty soon after I started, I was told, you know, oh, there's this task force that's being um, formed with a couple of members of staff, a couple member of members of the board to really sort of come together and, you know, think of some best practices um, around equity, diversity, and inclusion. And I was like, well, that's cool. But then, you know, of course, I looked around me, and at the time, I was the only black person on the full-time staff. And I was oh, like... Wow. 
This is going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, as as I've been told, basically, you know, they called up um, Opera America and they were like, are other companies having this discussion and have any sort of best practices been, um, you know, thought about? And in 2016, it was kind of like, no, but when you figure it out, let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so... One of the things that we came up with was this Staff Diversity Council. And is made up of, at the time, um, all the leadership staff plus a select group of staff members to come together and make some recommendations um, for what we can do um, to really create a much more inclusive, diverse, equitable environment for everyone who enters our doors, um, you know, not just the staff, um, not just artists who are on stage, but our entire community. Um, And it was this really cool, um, kind of exciting (laughs) um, moment, because, you know, I think when a lot of people think of opera, they think of just sort of this very, Mm -hmm. you know, staid, Mm -hmm. you know, stuffy, formal you know, in order to come enjoy an opera, you have to wear your sequin gown and your tuxedo <laughs> and be fluent in Italian. And, <laughs> and, you know, and I think we had, you know, tried to sort of bring the art form down from this ivory tower. Like, you know, like, yeah, you can, you, you can actually wear jeans. You can, <laughs> you know, there are super titles above the stage. You don't have to be like fluent in German or whatever. Um, and I think that even that was still like a little bit of, of a barrier because mm-hmm. then people were like, well, what if I want to wear a sequin gown? Um, you know, or what if mm-hmm. I want to do like my version of, right. you know, right. fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and realizing that that's just kind of, that's not quite being inclusive. Right. Just yeah. being like, you know, you can wear your little peasant clothes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's, not, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> that's not what we want to do. Um, but basically, you know, the, the Diversity um, Council, our, our big mandate was every year to create a diversity charter. Um, to just sort of outline some goals for the year or the next couple of years or whatever. And so that very first um, diversity charter, we um, <laughs> we, we decided that we were going to focus on three areas, race, uh, age, and socioeconomic status. And so we came up with some benchmarks. Um, you know, here's where we are. This is where we'd like to hit. We'd like mm-hmm. to have, like, this many, you know, folks between the ages of 20 and 30 in the mm-hmm. audience. <laughs> and we'd like to have this number of people of color on our staff. Um, and it didn't take very long for us to realize mm-hmm. that, like, we had no idea what we were doing. Because <laughs> 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 it was just kind of like, black people, you will also enjoy <laughs> opera. <laughs> I was like... Well, mm. <laughs> um, and so realizing that we had no idea how, like, like how to do the things that we wanted to do, we had the best of intentions. Um, we ended up uh, hiring, like, like realizing that we needed some help. Mm-hmm. So we 
sent out an RFP to a number of, of companies uh, here in town that do um, EDI work, consult with companies. And we ended up um, with a firm called a, a POC, woman-owned, LGBT-owned um, firm called Team Dynamics here in the Twin Cities, who <laughs> are amazing. Shout out to Team Dynamics. We love them so much. Um, <laughs> and they came in and they were just like, you know, y'all need to like heal yourselves <laughs> before you start going out there talking about like how woke you are <laughs> or whatever. And they have, you know, come in and for the last like four years just worked with us on an organizational level, a departmental mm-hmm. level, um, individual, individual level. level. Yes. Um, really just kind of <laughs> kind of telling us about ourselves <laughs> um in the in the kindest most generous <laughs> way but like but, but like clear but clear too. and yeah. real or just sometimes going huh you think that why <laughs> why do you think that <laughs> yeah. just examine a little further yeah. Yeah. um you know and it's it has been um it's been a journey it has definitely been a journey, um, you know, and I think for a lot of people here, it has brought up some stuff that they just never really thought they, they were going to need to confront. Especially at work. At work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just about just sort of this industry yeah. and how especially folks of color, because we all know that race is the difference that makes a difference here <laughs> in the United States of America um, and how white supremacy um has really permeated yeah just everything that we have ever done (laughs) and this entire this entire thing this entire classical music you know miss whatever her name was last week like (laughs) 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 her um you know all you have to just sort of see like you know, some of these attitudes yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. about just sort of our place as people of color in this industry, even though we've been here the whole time. The whole time. Always. The whole time. Making an impact, um, changing the direction of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that we have been excluded, yeah. um, you know, I think it, yeah. it, it was a hard adjustment for some people to really sort of have to look operate. Oh my. Forgive us. I think there's some construction going on. <laughs> I thought we were safe here in the studio. <laughs> well, if you hear any construction noise in the background at this point, there's nothing we can do. But yeah, but long story short, um, one of the things that it really led to was in those diversity council meetings. Oh, and I should probably mention that I was, I've, was the vice chair for two years, and then I was the chair of that council, and Paige was a member of that council as well Mm -hmm. um, for a number of years. And so what we really wanted to do was, rather than sort of have these quotas and Mm -hmm. these numbers that like we felt like we wanted to hit, what we really finally came to after all of this like self-exploration the self-awareness work, like, what are we doing that is actually, like, actively affecting this community 
in negative ways and what are the ways in which we as Minnesota opera are like upholding white supremacy Um, well we don't want to do that anymore because that's like flies in the face of what we value as a company and so what we wanted to do is throw out sort of the quotas and just articulate why we want to do this work Mm -hmm. and how we want to do this work how we want to show up how we are more than just an arts institution, um, that we are a civic institution. And because of that, and because the community is, you know, helping to keep our doors open, For we sure. have a responsibility to all of the people, all of the people from, you know, the Mill District to North, to North Minneapolis, to East St. Paul, um, to the Governor's Mansion. We have a responsibility to represent all of those people. Um, and everything that we do and that all of the spaces that we create um, to create spaces where people can feel safe, where people can feel as comfortable Mm -hmm. as is uh, (laughs) appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And to just really create just sort of an authentic sense of belonging so that like we are not saying that like you need to change anything about yourself to come into our space, to learn, to enjoy music, to work here. Um, You get to just be your full, beautiful, authentic self in all of its forms um, and still be a part of Minnesota Opera. And so that led to our diversity charter, which, and also... (laughs) um, we had uh, our, our former marketing manager, Amanda Rodriguez, was also on that council, and she's amazing, and I'm sure hopefully she will be on the show um, oh, good idea. sooner rather than later. <laughs> um, but at the beginning of that year, I remember she came into the first meeting with a giant stack of papers. I will never forget it. <laughs> Slammed them down on the table and was like, EDI is over. We're talking about anti-racism. For now. <laughs> and I think a lot of people like myself, like included, were kind of like, anti-racism? Oh. <laughs> well, that sounds big. <laughs> and she came in and she just like kind of read us the riot act and was just like this is this is where we need to be focusing our efforts and i think because it was so i think like at the time obviously now in 2021 and especially you know after george floyd's murder you know we all anti-racism mm-hmm. is not sort yeah. of a fringe idea yeah. at yeah. all yeah. but i think in like perhaps fall of of what year was that good god years <laughs> what are those i guess 2019 yes 2019. Tw- yeah fall of 2019 we all were just kind of like i think mainstream a lot of us were just kind of like uh <laughs> i was like it sounds like something i'm on board with yeah. say more yeah, say no, more i mean like i am totally anti-racism anti- yes. 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 okay uh. <laughs> so, like a lot of people that are just like well can't it just be like pro anti just seems so negative can't it just be like pro pro equality because <laughs> that's worked so well right yeah yeah, yeah. 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 we were all like well 
in this world these days and times, especially after May rolled around, it was like, okay, yeah, no, explicitly anti. We need to. Yes. Well, I remember for me, like, after that first meeting, I went and did the Art Equity National Facilitator Training, which Uh, anybody in the arts who is interested in in doing this work in a serious way, I, I cannot recommend it, like, strongly enough. It changed my life. Like, mm-hmm. in a, like I would not be as a, nearly as efficient <laughs> and effective in this work if I had not done that. It just builds your confidence. And I just came back and I just sat down in this room and I was like, okay, so we're doing anti-racism. <laughs> Get on board, girl. Get on board. <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts. And by the end of that year, that season... Um, you know, and, you know, March 2020 happened in the middle of that. And, you know, kudos to Ryan, because I know when um, big catastrophic things happen, like, I remember reading an article, and they were interviewing Anita Hill. And I forget exactly where she, I think maybe the, she was in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. she was consulting. Um, somewhere, but she was talking about the 2008 recession and that they mm-hmm. had convinced all these studios and production companies to create programs for writers of color and producers of color mm. um, to come in and like actually get to be in a writer's room or like develop a project, um, like these sort of apprentice programs. And as soon as the recession in 2008, they all stopped. Yeah. Like they all stopped. Yeah. That was the first thing on the chopping block. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was really scared during the pandemic mm-hmm. that like because we had, you know, Paige and I and two of our colleagues, Diana Konofka and Jake Fedorowski, um, were sort of the primary drivers of the project. Mm-hmm. And so we had written this charter. We had, you know, put it in front of the full council. There had been some tweaks and, you know things here and there um you know we'd put it in front of our incoming board chair Nadej Souvenir Sina mm-hmm. Hodges who is an amazing um EDI consultant here in the Twin Cities um the woke coach check her out <laughs> <laughs> also an art equity alum um yes. she came in she suggested the artistic statement of purpose that's in there mm-hmm. which just kind of tied the whole thing together. You know, we are committing ourselves to anti-racist and anti-oppressive practices and all that we do. This is what we mean, but it's not just, we're not just talking about race. We're talking about all the things and here are all the things that we're talking about. Here's how we plan to approach it. Um, and then March 2020 happened and it was just like, oh yeah. my God, yeah. all of this work, is it going to go down the toilet? And luckily it was like, no. In fact, (laughs) we are going to just, like, hit this even harder um, because it's just kind of clear that, like, you know, we don't know how long we're going to be, you know, locked down in our houses. Whenever we emerge from this, we're going to need this document more than ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm I'm very grateful that I work for a company um, that felt that way. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, and then, you know, presenting it like to you know leadership and then you know presenting it to the board and then <laughs> having the board um unanimously ratify it which was amazing that's a big one which was mm-hmm. incredible um just a 
just <laughs> such a during such a sort of fraught awful time um because you know the the board didn't get to it until may and actually they ratified it and then a few days later was when george floyd was murdered <sighs> wow so you know i think a lot of people look at the date on that mm-hmm. document and mm-hmm. you know it it didn't actually become sort of public until a few days right. afterwards and yeah. so i think a lot of people are like oh you just released this statement because right. you know right. of, <laughs> you know this murder and the riots and all of this stuff and it's like no i promise we this is the work for months this is a culmination <laughs> of like five years <laughs> of really hard work and we actually believe this and this just underscores why we feel like you know this is this yeah. is so important mm-hmm. um and of course then that led to is a restructuring of the company mm-hmm. which led to the impact department which led to you know our incredible lead bynum coming aboard me mm-hmm. moving into the edi director role Paige moving into her new role and a lot of moving a lot of moving, <laughs> lot of moving. and here we are in 2021 and now we've got a whole bunch of people of color Mm-hmm. on the staff which i mean for me is the thing that is so like gratifying because like to be like the one black full-time employee and then to come into work now five years later and just see like you know yeah. all of these beautiful black and brown faces <laughs> and asian faces um you know just you know all throughout the building and you know like when Ever we are, you know, doing productions again, um, you know, to see more guest artists yeah. of color yeah. walking around the building. It's just been such a, like, oh, wow, okay, this, so this is actually happening. <laughs> and that, like, everyone is really taking it seriously because I think one of the things about articulating our values is that there have been a few people who looked at that and were like, well, actually, those aren't my values. Yeah. And they, you know, Peace showed out. themselves out, <laughs> out yeah. the door. Yeah. Um, so that everyone here now and everyone who comes aboard, like, understands that, like, no, this is a part of your, your job. Whether, sure. you know, you're selling a costume, you're sending a marketing email, you're building a set, you know, you're the EDI director. (laughs) 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 That this is, that this is a part of your work. Yeah. Um, That these values um, are just something that when you walk through those front doors um, and even when you leave (laughs) um, are just, you know, something that if you want to be here or something that you uh, subscribe to, Yes, subscribe to. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I think that brings us up to sort of maybe about a year ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Lee, how how did it feel for you coming on in the in the wake of all that? Yeah, it was it was really interesting because at the time I was interviewing at a lot of arts organizations because I knew what kind of job I wanted and I knew I needed to moved to an organization that wasn't paying lip service to the values and a place that was actually going to exist in a space of self-reflection and really sit with, how do we want this to show up in the art? How do we want this to show up in the staff? What do we want our audience to get out of it? What does it mean to be a, a purveyor of art in 2021? 
right? Like, what mm-hmm. is that thing? And it felt differently real here than in a lot of other places that I interviewed. And I, you know, I honestly felt like people weren't just taking it seriously in the context of work. I felt like people were living the values here. And it made a huge difference in terms of how I prioritize thinking about this particular shift, which is not one that I was anticipating. Um, I used to always say that Elaine Stritch quote, I have never left Manhattan and I never will. (laughs) I did not think I was moving anywhere, especially all the way across the country. But it was so clear to me um, when I saw the job description that I wanted to come Mm. here. And that's I think that's hard to do. Job descriptions don't usually give you that kind of a thing. And I've had absolutely no regrets. I mean, we'll see what happens in January when there's three feet of snow on the ground. But (laughs) short of that. Just get a good pair of boots. You'll be fine. (laughs) I'll be in my apartment. That's where I'll be. (laughs) Or you can just not leave your house. Yeah. Just not. I mean, that's. (laughs) But it's been such a beautiful thing to see the willingness people have across the company. Like, and I I mean that, like, from, you know, development to production to artistic, to see people taking the time to put the thought into how do we live our values here. And it hasn't been work that has happened without effort, right? Mm -hmm. It's been years of work years of labor, lots of people putting in emotional, intellectual energy into creating something new. But it's really quite powerful to see that commitment. And then on the other side, to get to experience from the artist and the audience members who are coming in, the people who are tuning in virtually for the last year, this is work that really resonates with them, right? Mm -hmm. And we've had a couple of opportunity to do some focus group style things to get some information from people. And people are really, really um, invested in the change that they see here. And it's it's a place that I have a, a lot of pride to work here. And I've, I've liked all of the jobs I've had. That's why I've had them. But I haven't necessarily felt like a personal level of pride working at an institution that I felt like was reflecting the place that I want to be in my life. So it's it's a lot of gratitude that I have for this experience and really for the openness that the community has shown. And of course it's not it's not all uniformly positive. No, we are not hanging up yes. the mission accomplishment. No, we are <laughs> absolutely we're absolutely not. At the same time, though, like the the openness is what I've been looking for, right? And people mm-hmm. haven't been responding with the, you know, oh, absolutely not. I'm I'm not participating in this whole <laughs> everybody being equal in in this space. Like that's not what I've been seeing, and I'm I'm really grateful for that. Mm-hmm. I also think it takes like some acknowledging the the good things that have happened and that yeah. y'all have mm-hmm. done just to sustain the energy to to keep. Yeah, that energy you need to keep going. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, not saying we're done or or anywhere (laughs) anywhere near it, especially if you look at like the outside world too. We're clearly going to have always a lot to do. Always, Um, always. But yeah, like it it feels good to like have these moments where we um, 
like it's interesting for y'all of course or partly for y'all to you know tell the the history or where we've been but i always get something out of it as well just like oh oh, yeah we accomplished that together Mm -hmm. like oh yeah it came a long way so yeah i mean like i mean giant steps forward for sure like not even like baby steps like giant stuff like just the fact that the three of us are in this room Mm -hmm. in this moment Mm -hmm. people who don't even don't work in opera and Mm -hmm. all but maybe are are fans or familiar with classical music or in general and its history all the time comment to me that just like oh you're black and you work at the minnesota opera oh good for you and good for them like (laughs) that is that is like the that is the comment that I get. And I'm just like, yes, and there's more than one. I'm not the only one. And then they're just even more shocked. So, <laughs> Matter of fact, we hired two people of color just today. Like, oh. I mean, that's a, that's a whole thing. And I, I, I feel like the fact that this unit is growing at a moment where it feels like the field itself isn't necessarily growing, right? Mm-hmm. The, the fact that the organization is putting in a lot of resources into doing the work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very telling. And I think that's why there is this kind of story to tell here, right? It's not just a, you know, let's slap a, a, a thing on social media and then proceed with business as usual, right? Mm-hmm. People are actively trying to think about what does it look like to be actively invested in the community and like taking it seriously what it means to be a a cultural anchor in a place, right? We have the name of our state in our title. That means we're supposed to be doing the work of everybody in Minnesota, right? So And one of the cool things about Minnesota that I have I have discovered that I did not know before I moved here was the degree of respect that they have for artists and art making. Boy do they Yes. I mean it's incredible. Yes. I mean it's it's I mean even like on the East Coast, even New York. (laughs) Like, I haven't, I, I remember this moment, you know, I, you know, we've talked many times about, you know, growing up and all of us making art and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I sort of, you know, fell off a little bit, like in my early 20s. And I had two friends who um, decided right before the the recession in 2008 to just throw caution to the wind and quit their jobs and backpack around South America for um, a few months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that wasn't fun for them for a while upon their return. But <laughs> um, I actually just weirdly looked at my bank account and like happened to have some money for once. Um, and I remembered I was, I was at my mom's house and I was like, they're going to be in Buenos Aires in November. Like, I can afford a ticket down there. Should I just, like, go? And she was like, yeah, you absolutely should. <laughs> so I went down and I stayed with them in Buenos Aires for two weeks. And I just remembered this moment. We stayed in San Telmo, which is, like, kind of the artsy neighborhood. And every every day you can go to San Telmo Square and just, like, see people just, like, dancing the tango in the middle <laughs> of the square and, you know, selling their wares. And they have, like, an art fair every Saturday and you just walk through and people are, like, you know, selling, like, beautiful paintings and beautiful... I remember there was... We were walking through and this woman was just like, you know, hola. And I turned around and it was 
the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, the, like, like, oh, like, and I was just, like, transfixed. And she was like, you like, oh, would you like a bracelet? And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I reached out my, my wrist, and she took it, and it was plastic, and she took out a lighter and burned it on, like, burned the ends together. Oh, and then was like, you know, 10 pesos, please. <laughs> and then another one of my friends, like, came back, and she was like, what are you doing? And then saw her, and she was like, hi, yes, I want to raise this shit. <laughs> but, but, so many, I could talk about Buenos Aires for, like, a million years. But we had this one um, experience where we got on the subway, and at one stop, a man with a guitar got on. And I'm so used to, like, being in New York, being mm-hmm. in D.C., like, you know, who's ready for a show? Right. Like, no. <laughs> I'm going to keep reading my book. Please don't look at me. Um, Everyone literally acts like they're not there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, You know, while people are, like, doing, like, somersaults and flips. <laughs> like, it's showtime. Like, <laughs> but this man got on with a guitar, and he began playing and singing, and literally everyone stopped what they were doing. Hmm. And... You know, put down their books, stop their conversation, and just like listen to his song. And then when he was done, everyone in the car applauded, gave him some money, and then he went off to the to the next car. And it struck me like, oh wow, this is a culture that really respects mm. our artists, mm. like understands that like when an artist comes into a space and they are playing for you, they are creating something for you, like that matters. Yeah. And it matters what they have to say. Mm. Um, And I just never, I realized that I had never really experienced that to a degree. Mm. And like moving to Minnesota, like I kind of get that feeling again. That's a beautiful Mm. thing. You know, like to be able to just sort of be an artist and to create and to have people not only like, you know, just listen to you, but fund you. (laughs) Like that arts funding is in the state constitution here. Um, Is this amazing thing. And I just think we just have such an opportunity um, to bring so many more people, so many more voices um, to the forefront. Like there's so many people that have so many incredible things to say. There's so many composers who have written such beautiful, powerful, effective music that, you know, we just haven't heard for a variety of reasons, but, you know, that we are actually here committed to bringing those people to the people. Um, It's just so cool. It's just just such a cool thing. How much (laughs) of a joy is it that we get to do that? For a living, right? I was mm-hmm. thinking about miniatures a few days ago when I was scrambling trying to <laughs> make a meeting turn up on my calendar that just was absolutely not happening easily. And even in the moment of being very frustrated with my own schedule and not being able to have the meeting, I paused and I thought about this is a meeting to talk to a group of underrepresented composers who are each creating a piece for Minnesota Opera. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing that that gets to be Scheduling that is the problem of my work day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it made me really, really happy to think about 
what it means to be able to share opportunities with people, you know, Mm -hmm. funded opportunities with people. It is one of my favorite things. I yes. tell people sometimes, one of my favorite things is getting to hire you. One of my favorite <laughs> things as an arts administrator is getting to put your name in that yes. budget to yes. say this artist's is, work is going to not only be presented, but funded. Yes. It was one of my favorite things where like my first, yeah, my first like full-time job job was working for the DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities. It was a mm-hmm. government agency and I was part of I started as an intern and then cuz of staffing changes and stuff, I ended up being <laughs> managing a whole grant program, y'all. So, uh <laughs> Sounds like DC. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That sounds right. <laughs> one of the most beautiful parts of the job, I mean, and Honestly, like, yeah, sometimes frustrating was just that you are one of the stewards of these public funds that you get to directly be like, here's how you apply for the money. Oh, great. You got it. How exciting. (laughs) Like, to actually, like, go to events that you are part of helping the person get that grant so it could happen and to, like hear your friends say, oh, yeah, I went to such and such art festival. And I was like, they're one of my grantees. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's it's the most exciting thing. I I wish that all places and people, like, viewed it that way. Um, Yeah. That we can can agree that that that's a beautiful (laughs) feeling and a beautiful thing to see. But, yeah. It's one of the best parts of the job. It is. It It is. It is. (laughs) It is. Even though we're all kind of like making opera again in our living rooms, like there's still something (laughs) beautiful about the fact that we figured out Mm -hmm. how to exist in this kind of space in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, that's Mm -hmm. it's never lost on me how many of my dear friends who are arts administrators for all kinds of organizations were either furloughed during some part of the pandemic or were just still working for an organization that wasn't able to solve the problem of how do we continue to create Mm -hmm. right now. But I I think it's telling that we did a survey here recently and the survey came out and said something like 75% of the people who work here identify as artists. And I Mm -hmm. I think that really communicates. I think it was higher than that. I think it was like 85. Even better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I think that that says a lot, right? This is artists attempting to do things to support other artists. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, having done the whole New York singer actor thing, I know that the opposite is more frequently true than not. Yes. Yes. And what's so like fascinating about it too is, you know, like you just said, you know, we had to sort of start making opera in our living rooms and like, how does that all work? But it did. And we've actually, even though we've, you know, sort of become a little bit more isolated because of COVID-19 or a lot more isolated, um, where we've been able to open things up so Mm -hmm. much more so that we're able to like offer performances for, and, 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 and programming for free, you know, so that like, you know, even like that, that barrier, you know, like, well, okay, maybe I don't have to wear a, a tuxedo and a secret gown and be fluent in Italian, but I still have to pay $100 for, <laughs> for <Right>. my ticket. <laughs> I was like, no, actually, you don't. You just go to, like, mnopera.org and, like, watch, like, you know, Wuthering Heights or uh, uh, Das Rheingold um, for free. 
if you want, if you want to give us some money, that'd be great. But <laughs> in your bathrobe at that. Yes. <laughs> your bathrobe and slippers and just like sit down and just like enjoy. Um, you know, and it's just being able to like open that or just kind of demolish that barrier yeah. is just like fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean what well, what you said about, you know, some people, friends who are uh, arts administrators and were, you know, unfortunately like furloughed or, you know, their company just didn't have much for them to do, didn't know how to adjust. Yeah. I feel like there's also a faction of people who who quit or who transitioned yeah. to a whole other industries yeah. or started doing their own thing because they're like, I cannot get with the way that y'all are operating during this time yeah. of crisis. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's just ethical. It's just against my <laughs> ethics and morals and I cannot do it. I know, like, lots of people who had that realization, too, sure. and especially being at home with, you know, uh, um, environment that's more <laughs> curated in a way that helps you stay, you know, peaceful and a good state of mind. They realize how actually, like, toxic their work environments mm-hmm. were. Yeah arts organizations included. In fact, I'm mostly thinking of my friends who are a part of arts organizations. So like, I, I think about that, that like, I'm grateful to like be at an organization that wasn't just like, yeah, we're just going to wait till this is over and then do things the exact same. Like, (laughs) exactly, exactly. Or like better, or like, yeah, we're going all through this and like, we, however our employees get through oh well yeah, like <laughs> good luck we'll figure it out. We're, gonna, we're gonna do what we need to do and what you need to do there were places that did that too there were plenty yeah. Yeah. of places I mean I, I think like one day I'd like to have some sort of like discussion or on on here about you know what it looks like when artists administrators i think across the board there are you know people who are just like i'm not doing it anymore yeah Mm -hmm. in terms Mm -hmm. of you know Mm -hmm. predominantly historically white institutions Mm -hmm. that refuse to change they're just like i'm i'm not doing it or i am doing it but as a consultant and you got to pay me a whole Mm. lot more um (laughs) or i'm moving industries to where i can use this similar skill set and maybe have better pay or (laughs) or who are like i'm gonna create my own company i'm gonna Mm -hmm. get together with these people from marginalized communities also or who want a different organizational structure who don't want to work those 10 out of 12 days. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I, there's a whole discussion about that that's going on, I think, especially among people of color, yeah. like, and more of us talking to each other and being like, you know, sis, you actually don't have to, like, <laughs> <laughs> go through this. I mean, yes, like, on a certain, like, sure, financial level, like, maybe you can't just walk out tomorrow. Right. But... Yeah. Like, those are the conversations we're having with each other. So I think it'd be cool to talk about one day, you know, what does it, what does it look like when these institutions fail to change? Because it is happening. For For sure. sure. It's, it's the present and the future, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's sort of this idea among certain, certain folks um, that like, you know, because it's a nonprofit arts organization, it's not sort of, you know, 
there aren't any sort of capitalistic aims or it's not upholding <laughs> <laughs> up, 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 up white supremacy or the patriarchy in any sort of way. And it's like, no, no, this is still, you know, a, a company in America. In America. How about that? People who are Americans. Not everyone, but, <laughs> but, a, but a lot of folks. Yeah. Um, and, like, we just need to reckon with, with that idea and sure. I think one of the nice things is that we are reckoning with it and then saying like actually we want to be like a little bit more people centered mm-hmm. and humane and you know that goes for our staff and our artists of course but that also goes for our audiences yeah, yeah. like we want to create environments where like all of you all out there feel safe um and that you can come into a space and watch a show and not be emotionally violated in some way. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, for example, it's, it's exciting to me to hear, like, development people in our company, like, talking about the work they're doing. Because I was like, that's not usually not the team, like, you hear from a oh, lot absolutely. in arts organizations in terms of, like, we're, like, we're going to look at, you know, what our sources are what we're applying for like thinking about that as ethically as possible i was just like (laughs) that is so exciting because i i think you know a lot of folks also want to do the edi work but not talking about money or Mm, not talking about their budgets or not (laughs) talking about their donors and I think that's a place where you can often look. We're just like, oh, you think there's no white supremacy in this organization? You gotta look at well, if you're, <laughs> if you're if you're not doing the work, like if you're not doing anti-racist work when it comes to your budget, you're not doing anti-racist work. No, ab- you're just not. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it's you know, I feel mm-hmm. like the the Ibram Kendi quote about either you are actively anti-racist or you are actively racist like there is a truth in that mm-hmm. either you yeah. are doing the work against it or you are somehow propping it up yeah. and and there really isn't a middle ground and i think we you know i think especially like living through the 90s where people were trying to exist in this space mm-hmm. of you know political correctness but not really adjusting any behaviors or structures we really got to see that the middle ground was making it worse right and Mm -hmm. so much of what we experienced in the last couple of years i think are from people not being willing to say this part of what we do is broken and we need to move away from it and just Mm -hmm. figure something else out and that's to me that's the hallmark of somebody actually being invested in in change Mm -hmm. absolutely well, the work is is hard, but it's rewarding. <laughs> and you know, and I, I know I say this every week, but I'm, I just feel so lucky that I get to do this with the two of you. Aww. you know, and that we get to like be here and just like share the story and you know, so hopefully that you know clears up any misconceptions. about some of the work that we're doing and i hope that inspires some of you all to kind of check us out absolutely um because like i said we want to create spaces where you know you don't have to feel like you know less than just because you don't know everything you know under the sun about verity or percini or whoever um that you can just come and enjoy a cool show and learn some new things and hopefully be around um a whole bunch of you know, people that look like you and share your values. So, so yeah. that's all we wanted to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with all that said, um, even though it's been 
quite a uh, murky two weeks. <laughs> um, there are still things to be joyous about. Yes. There are. And we're going to highlight them. So we'll be right back. Our favorite segment and yours. It is time for pure black joy. PB and J. Hit it, Paige. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. I feel like I need like an air horn button to carry around it all time. And Lord knows we need it. <laughs> so I will turn it over to whoever wants to go. Tell me something joyful. Well, I'll give a little bit of opera-related news since we are talking about opera in an opera center right now. Um, famed contralto Marian Anderson, one of America's first well-known African-American opera singers, is finally getting the tribute she deserves in her hometown of Philadelphia. Um, she is getting a statue oh. right outside of the Academy of Music. Yeah. Um, this will be the first ever statue devoted to a specific black woman in Philadelphia, which, yay, but also, really. Huh. I mean, but nevertheless, mm-hmm. we are <laughs> better late than ever. Very, very excited about it. The work has largely been shepherded by Jillian Patricia Pirtle, the CEO of the National Marian Anderson Museum and Historical Society. And it's taken 25 years of lobbying, raising money, um, convincing folks, but it's finally happening. And I'm super excited about it. Um, My husband went to conservatory in Philadelphia, and we when we were on the East Coast, we visited all the time. I have a lot of dear, dear friends there. Um, I, I love Philly so much. I do, too. I have a lot of dear friends, too, there. And it's just such a cool town. It really is. Oh, my gosh. The f- I mean, the food alone. The the food, if the people. Philly, I would be... <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to carry me around in a wheelbarrow if I lived in Philly. But it's also, like, such an extraordinary music city, mm-hmm. right? Um, one of my other favorite singers, Miss Patti LaBelle, is a Philly uh, native. And I feel like everybody from Philly can sing. And I know that's not actually true. <laughs> it may just be the people in my circle, but there is something about the city. So I had to think about it, and I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Every Actu- person, pretty sure. Actually, everyone that I know who lives in Philly is a musician <laughs> right, or a singer. Right. <laughs> like, actually, that's actually true. <laughs> so I'm hoping in a few years there will be a Patti LaBelle statue, maybe a Jill Scott statue, Teddy Pendergrass. I mean, they could make a whole statue garden of all of this extraordinary That's a wonderful idea. Who wants to make the Philly Black History (laughs) Sculpture Garden? I will visit. I will visit. Or or a long statue walk. Yes. Yes. Let's go for a long I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Jessica. They're so influential on hip hop. Like, wow. Yes. 
And, um, and they commute every day from Philly to New York to do the Tonight Show. Do they really? Yes. Oh, wow. They still live in Philly, huh. yeah. Huh. Or at least they did at the beginning of the Tonight Show. <laughs> right. Right. Maybe those checks have changed over the years. I, I, <laughs> I'm sure if you're Questlove, you can probably just hop in a helicopter and go away. Right. We don't go. know how they're commuting. <laughs> now Questlove's jet, okay? Yeah, no, they are not on the Amtrak no. <laughs> regional express. <laughs> but um, while we're doing a little bit of pure black joy, I have a a little bit of an extemporaneous one. Mm. So a few days ago, I picked up the... I didn't pick it up. I pushed a button and it came into my iTunes. Um, Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin mm. is everything that you think it's going to be and better. I don't know why it took yes. them 40 years to cast Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin, but it's the best thing that's happened. Period. End of story. In my iTunes in a very long time. So I encourage everybody to... I'm not encouraging anybody to go to a movie theater right now. Yeah. I'm encouraging everybody <laughs> to get on like iTunes. On demand option, HBO Max or whatever. I'm waiting for that. I mean, when I say I love Jennifer Hudson, like I love Jennifer Hudson. And I also mean it when I say I'm not going to a movie theater right now. Yeah. I'm I just not. That. Yeah. But when it's on HBO, I will watch it three or four times just to make up for not seeing it in theaters because <laughs> I'm so excited about it. <laughs> well, I mean, why why did nobody think of this in 40 years? Because it took Aretha to be like her. She <laughs> she was waiting. Yeah, she, she was will, listening. Yeah. She's like, not no, you, no, no, not no. you, no. not Beautiful you. Gowns. <laughs> <laughs> gowns. Beautiful gowns. Great gowns. Beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. <laughs> <laughs> and when she said Jennifer Hudson, I I knew. I was, was like, like, that is that is perfect. Yeah. That is perfect. Yeah. From the voice mm-hmm. down to the way she, I know she portrays a Detroit woman in her furs with mm-hmm. accuracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just know. I can tell. I saw Dream Girls. So, yeah. I don't know. I was scrolling through Twitter a couple of nights ago and I just saw the funniest tweet and it was just a picture of that night that Jennifer Hudson, Fantasia, and um, Latoya Luckett were in the bottom three. The caption was just like the most chaotic night ever in America. <laughs> and I remember that. I like, do too. Like it was yesterday. I do too. That had to have been a moment, a pivotal moment in my development. Of yeah, just like, I so this is how that. America treats black women. Oh, ab- oh absolutely. It was like, yeah, if you don't believe that. in anti-blackness, you believed in it that night. Because yeah. it made no Get yeah, all of these Fox News people like go back to that night. <laughs> if you don't think anti-blackness is a thing in America, that is crazy. Diana DeGarmo, are you? Girl. Moment should be studied and written about. <laughs> <laughs> it really should. Sorry, Gen Z. <laughs> we should have known we're, right we're then that America moment. was headed in the wrong direction. <laughs> George W. Bush in the White House and that happening on American Idol. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> well, if I may jump in Please really quick, do. I have a, a pure black joy that is a personal pure black joy, if I may. You may. Mm-hmm. Um, well, last Wednesday, August 11th, uh, 2021, um, was the birthday of Miss Eula Jones of 
Buford, Aww. South Carolina, who is my grandmother, Leo Queen, and <laughs> she turned y'all 101 years old. Can you believe it? <laughs> Amazing. And my dad was down there, um, <laughs> and he was like, yep, she is making herself some toast right now. She's still, <laughs> she's still going and with it, and she, you know, God willing... You know, will be with us for years to come. Um, but it's just like, it's just so amazing. It really wow. A black woman in America, 101, 101 years old, years. all the things that all she's right. seen, you know, mm-hmm. raising four children, so much of that by herself, working as a nurse. It's just, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I'm almost just kind of speechless about it because, you know, she's, mm-hmm. you know, just always been so loving and encouraging of me and I'm her youngest grandbaby Um, (laughs) and she's just always she's just always been such a constant font of just amazing wisdom and (laughs) I I will never forget apparently it's this rite of passage for for all of us I didn't know this at the time (laughs) but she'll sit us down and and play a game of checkers with us and just sort of see mm. how we how we play checkers. And of course, me being the psychopath that I am, like <laughs> completely just like kicked her butt and then was like, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I, I can't, even with my elderly grandmother, I can't. <laughs> I can't seem to turn that off. <laughs> and she was like, don't ever apologize for that. You won. <laughs> I gave you <laughs> the things you needed to win. Um, and so... She's she's just amazing and 101 years old. Like, yeah. what what can you? That's something. You know, that's that incredible. is something. Aww. So, if there's anything to celebrate, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> definitely celebrating her. Yeah, <laughs> they miss you, Lou. <laughs> so, I think that's it. We're can we leave this very hot room? Oh my god! I think so. A little behind the scenes. The right. only tiny pure black joy oh, is that yes. I got a new black neighbor, y'all. Oh, right. I want one. Right? <laughs> okay, y'all got to under context. We live in Minneapolis. Remember there we go. That? Remember <laughs> that. So it, it was just an exciting moment. Like I came <laughs> in the house, I was like to my other roommates, guys, guys, uh, there's a new black neighbor, and and he's nice. He said hi to me first. Like, he, he doesn't act like he doesn't ignore other. He's black and he knows he's black. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Just had to share that, share that tidbit. It well, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Well, hopefully, like from neighbors to friends. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He already suggested. He may, maybe he not from Minnesota or something because he already suggested to one of my housemates. They're like, yeah, we should hang out. Like, we should. Yeah. Where is yeah. he from? <laughs> that's what I said. I said. Huh. Interesting. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm happy, and I'm also curious. Maybe they're from, like, the West Coast or something, where they you know, smoke a lot of pot and are happy. <laughs> Gotta, be. Gotta be. We'll see. We'll see. Well, you'll have to update us next time. I will. All right. I will. And for all the rest of you out there, make sure that you say it with me. Subscribe. Share with your friends. Please leave a five-star review. Five, five stars. stars. Five. Pause. Five. Mm-hmm. 
One, two, three, four, five. Cinco. <laughs> Thank. <laughs> five stars on Apple Podcast. Um, leave a review. That really helps us out. It really, um, you know, all the algorithms and things, um, you know, gets them to pay attention to us and gets us in the ear holes of more uh, people mm-hmm. who uh, need to hear Black people talking mess about classical music. <laughs> um, and I think that's it. Oh, and email us at uh, the score at mnopera.org. Um, we want your questions and your comments. Um, mild criticisms, I suppose. <laughs> no racisms, please. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I think that's it. I'm going to Palm Springs, y'all. I'll see you in two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you in two weeks. Bye.